Guys, I want to start off this morning. We're in a series called uh, From the Ashes. And it's all about this idea that, that when everything looked dead, when everything looked burned up, when everything looked like it was on its last leg, God has a way of making something unbelievably beautiful out of it. That is his, that is his moment to shine. Before we get too far into it, um, I want I want to just ask you a couple things. I want, to, I want to ask you about some ordinary things. Does anybody have a pen cap that they could hand me actually really quick? I forgot to bring one up on stage. Perfect. So I want to ask you, this is like the most ordinary thing, a pen cap. Ladies, most of you probably have a pen cap in your purse right now or a pen. Does anybody know why there is a hole at the end of your pen cap? Somebody tell me why. This ordinary thing has an extraordinary purpose. Did you know what it is? It is not to keep the ink wet in your pen or to somehow keep it from drying up. This little pen cap, for as long as pens have been made, this cap was designed with a hole in the end so that if a child swallows it, they would still be able to breathe. You didn't know, did you? Now you do. Ordinary things can have an ordinary, extraordinary purpose. So I'm going to swallow this and show you. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. My wife is, ta- is talking smack on me in the front row. Uh, so for those of you who have like a Levi's pair of jeans, there's that little, there's the pocket, and then there's the, there's a little pocket within the pocket. You know what I'm talking about? You've always wondered, what, what do I put, a, a dime in there? What is the purpose of that little pocket? Something so ordinary and simple with an extraordinary purpose. What is it? It's not for your chew. <laughs> What's it for? It's none of any of those things. See, pocket watch. That's exactly right. So back in the day of coal miners and gold miners rocking their, well, jeans at the time, they had that little bitty pocket, and that's where your, your, your pocket watch would go for the gentleman. For those of you who like to, 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 to wear nice clothes, and you, you ever open up a jacket or something like that, and inside's that extra button. And then oftentimes there's a little extra piece of cloth. Why is the extra piece of cloth on the inside of your nice shirt, nice jacket, nice pair of pants that you bought? It is not for repairs. Even though that's what you thought. It is for you to wash in your washer with your detergent to see what happens when you use that detergent on this fabric to make sure before you wash it that you don't jack up your brand new clothes. Ordinary things with extraordinary purposes. Pen caps, pocket watches, your jeans. You didn't even know. You just got an education at church today. If you didn't guess where I'm going today, we are talking about ordinary things that have extraordinary purpose. And when we look at Acts, when we look at the early church, one of the things that I'm most encouraged by are seeing the pages of ordinary people like you and me. People that are struggling with stuff, 
dealing with stuff, excited about stuff, feeling the pressures of just normal life. And yet, God does extraordinary things through them. And sometimes my prayer is, God, I just want you to use me. Anybody ever prayed that prayer before? God, I want you to, to use, I want you to do something through me. I want you to, I want this, I want that. Sometimes, hopefully our prayers can, can grow beyond, God, I need this and I need that, but, but can grow also to, God, I would love to be used in this way. And I'm encouraged when I read the Bible because I see very ordinary people who spend time with God, and God does extraordinary things through them. And while I'm stealing my own thunder this morning, I think God actually wants to do extraordinary things through you. His ordinary, beautiful church like you and me. Let's pray as we jump into the text. Father, we thank you that you are a God who delights in using your people. We thank you that your plan and purpose was, in fact, to send your son. And after Jesus rose again and after he died on the cross and rose victorious, God, your church was birthed. And you have been doing extraordinary things through your people. And, Lord, we just ask, even this morning, that you would open our eyes. God, that we may know you better. We may be filled with a spirit of grace. And God, that you would use us. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can turn to Acts chapter 6 today. We're going to be in 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6. And as you do, if you're pulling it up on your phone or following the text on the screen behind me, let me just give you the context of what's happening here. Jesus Christ has died. With him, the movement of his ragamuffin followers has died with him. Uh, everything surrounding Jesus was burned up. It was left in ashes. And then Jesus rose from the dead, and everything changed. Early church was birthed. And from it came a message of hope that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he had come and that he had saved us from our sin and from our darkness. He rose victorious over death, and he was offering life to all who would put their faith in him. What a time to be in Jerusalem. I mean, exciting stuff is happening. It's tough to imagine being the bearers of this news for the very first time. That nobody had actually ever heard it before. <laughs> That's extraordinary. And so people are hearing this message, and we have records even outside of the biblical text of hundreds and thousands of people responding to the good news of Jesus. They're getting baptized thousands in one day sometimes. And so we see, we see the early church, we see the disciples, we see the apostles beginning to facilitate growth. They're putting some processes in place and systems in place because how many of you know that a group of a couple thousand people is a lot to handle? Sometimes I can get overwhelmed trying to manage like 120. They have thousands of people coming to faith and they're trying to get a grip on how to make this work. 
So they needed service teams. That's what we call them at our church. But understand, this is what people were doing a couple thousand years ago. They needed people to help organize. They needed volunteers. They needed people to operate at a high level. They needed people to help with follow-up. People to help with food at the different gatherings. People who open doors, set things up, break things down. People to serve with kids, send emails, maybe, carrier pigeons. People to organize the calendar. All the ordinary needs that a group of people trying to be unified would have. You with me this morning? And so they chose this group of people to begin running with serving. They were really great volunteers. In Acts chapter 6, 5 through 6, we've got the, the apostles, they're praying, and they're asking for the Holy Spirit to, to guide them and give them wisdom. He does. And so Acts 6, 5 through 6, this proposal pleased the whole group. And so what did they do? They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, this guy named Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So track with me what's happening. Rather than the apostles doing all the work and doing all the volunteering and doing all the, I pick things up, I put things down. You ever seen that Planet Fitness commercial? I pick things up, I put things down. No? Nobody seen it? It's an amazing commercial. Clearly, none of you guys watch TV. You're amazing. So they needed volunteers. And so they begin to hand things off. And these are the guys that are stacking chairs. These are the guys that are organizing the food distribution. These are the guys that are helping people get into small groups. And these are the guys that are following up with, with people who are responding and, and getting baptized. And we see the apostles. They're beginning to spend more time preaching and more time organizing people to pray. And you have this group of Philip and Stephen and Nicanor and Timon and a couple other names in there. And what are they doing? They're just being amazing volunteers. And then Acts 8 takes place. As these guys are serving and as they're volunteering, scriptures tell us that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. But we have to ask ourselves a really big question. Who the heck is Philip? This isn't Philip, one of the apostles. This is Philip, the volunteer. He's not even the head of his service team. Stephen was. 
And Stephen had just died, and the persecution just began with the early church. And all of these people who were serving in simple, ordinary ways, God does extraordinary things through. And I want you to hear this, church, ladies and gentlemen, all who would hear, is that God wants to do something extraordinary through you. And it doesn't require that you have some massive gift or skill or that the Holy Spirit would descend upon you and you would just have fireballs shooting out from your fingertips and somehow that's how God would, would use you. You know how God used these men and these women? In the ordinary day and day, day in, day out, areas of serving. And God did amazing things in their heart, and he did amazing things through them. I love that in God's kingdom, God can do the extraordinary through the ordinary. And what that should remind us of in our church or whatever church, maybe that maybe you're a guest today and maybe you came to support a friend or, or maybe you have another home church that you sometimes frequent. I want to invite you to begin to serve God with everything that you have, with the grace that God has given you, with the measure that he has given you, and let God do the extraordinary through you. It's the guy that's stacking chairs. It's the girl that's, that's with hospitality. It's the person that's opening the door. It's the person who's just willing to pray. It's the person who's willing to give their very best in the need and in the occasion that's provided. And it's amazing what happens when you give your best to God. He does something extraordinary with it. Philip has a couple lines in the New Testament. He's persecuted. He goes to Samaria, and the guy that's been helping pass out the food all of a sudden says, I can do that. And he begins to share the gospel. And he begins to preach. That's not what he was doing before. He was a volunteer. And he said, yeah, I got this. I can go do that. And he goes, and he, by faith, begins to preach, and by faith begins to pray, and by faith begins to simply share who Jesus is. And God births an amazing new church through him. So how is this possible? Scriptures say that men and women were baptized, and there was great joy in the entire city. I love that. I love that there's that, that one man steps in, and the text tells us that there is joy, that people are reaping throughout the city because of it. Whew. So I'll share with you another story, and it'll bring us, bring us home a little bit. This is not in the biblical text. Maybe it should be, but um, it's a story I'll go ahead and share about a, a young boy that grew up in Mississippi. Okay. A couple of Mississippi fans here. had a very problematic stuttering issue. 
So much so that he was so embarrassed and he was so afraid that he hardly spoke to anyone for eight years growing up on the farm in Mississippi. And the story from his grandfather is that he would go and he would, he would speak to the cows and the chickens with his stutter because they're the only ones that he was not afraid to talk in front of because, after all, they were cows and chickens. And his grandfather, his dad had, was long uh, since out of the picture, and his grandfather used to walk with him in the fields, and he would try to encourage him to speak. And he said, son, you used to have such a beautiful voice. Where did your song go? But he wouldn't speak, and he wouldn't talk. And he persisted in his stutter for years until he actually got to high school, where he had an amazing teacher. And one of the things that this young boy would do is he would write poetry because he spent a lot of time by himself speaking to no one but the cows and chickens. And he would write poetry, and the poetry was so good that his teacher took it and said, this poetry is amazing. It's so amazing that I don't actually believe you wrote it. If you wrote it, I want you to stand up in front of the class and speak it because you'll know it in your heart. And it'll come out. And so he said, okay. He stood up in front of the class and absolutely struggled, struggled, struggled. Stuttering through the poem that he had written. And his teacher met with him privately and said, you're going to have to begin to say yes to these moments and these opportunities. And you're going to have to power through what you're afraid of. You're going to have to power through your insecurities. And so every single week, at least one time, he invited this young man to stand in front of the class and recite his poetry. His poetry that was incredibly good. And this young man grew and became confident and secure after saying yes to his teacher and yes to the opportunities, ends up getting a scholarship for drama. And we now know this young man as James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader and Mufasa from The Lion King. James Earl Jones didn't speak to someone for eight years because he was so locked up by his, by his own. He was just a normal kid. A normal kid with normal problems. It's not uncommon for people to stutter. Ordinary person with ordinary issues, and he listened to his teacher. He said yes to his teacher. He said yes to his teacher. He said yes to his teacher, and guess what? God did. I say God. Star Wars isn't godly. Let me rephrase that. Something extraordinary was done through his life. It was God. Now, it would be easy for you to hear what I'm preaching today and for you to take this, and this is a nice little self-help message on saying yes to opportunities. You could hear that message at a Tony Robbins seminar. You could hear that as at, a, at, a, at a your best life now kind of moment, and that's not what I'm going for today, although there are aspects of this that you have to hear. Jesus Christ 
is always inviting us to make decisions. And sometimes in our familiarity with Christianity and the church and the personhood of Jesus, we forget that he's a person. We forget that Jesus is someone that we have relationship with. And because we have relationship with him and we speak to him and he speaks back to us, he will beckon us and he will ask of us and he will invite us. And we can respond with yes or no. And I want you to hear this because so often the extraordinary is snuffed out simply because we're so busy running around, doing our thing. Either we don't hear God in the first place or when we finally do, we just don't want to do it. And we simply say, no. But there is a great teacher, greater than James Earl Jones' teacher. I promise you. His name is Jesus. And he is beckoning you to say yes to his invitation. Yes, his invitation to go. Yes, his invitation to do. Yes, his invitation to simply experience relationship with him. Yes, his invitation to follow him, to be known by him, and for you to know him. Ordinary people experience extraordinary purpose by saying yes as simple as that. There were a lot of ways for me to go with this message. And my fear is that you would you would somehow leave and be like, great, I'm just going to say yes to opportunities and it's going to be amazing. And I'm just going to say yes all the time to stuff. And that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to say yes to Jesus and to listen to his leading. And as he leads you to surrender your fears, your insecurities, your pain, to give it all to him, and not just say yes to opportunity, but say yes to Jesus. It begins, it begins with saying yes to following Jesus and trusting him. I'm actually going to save the latter portion of this next message, not for Mother's Day because Amy's going to be preaching that. But Philip goes on and does something extraordinary. That's just as extraordinary as what he's been doing. He's been preaching. He's sharing the gospel. And revival begins to take place. In Samaria, and a church is birthed. But something unbelievable happens. Jesus still beckons him to leave and to go. He invites him another time to leave. He's at the height of his success. The volunteer is now the one preaching, is now the one laying hands on the sick. 
He's seeing people get set free. He's seeing people get healed. All because he's saying yes, and the Holy Spirit is using him and doing the extraordinary through him. But you might know, Philip, if you're familiar with church, if you know some of the biblical stories, but there is a story called Philip and the eunuch. And it is an amazing story of Philip leaving the height of success once again because Jesus is inviting him. He's asking him, and he says, yes. And God does the extraordinary through him. But even before that story, what is Jesus asking of Philip? He asks him first to follow him. He asks him first to serve and to volunteer. He asks him first to go to Samaria. He asks him first to go pray. He asks him first to share the gospel. He asks him first to open his mouth. He asks him first to use his faith. He asked him first to lay hands on the sick. He asked him first, etc., etc., etc. And we see Philip's response, even though we don't see him verbatim responding, we see him responding to the Holy Spirit time and time and time again with one response. Okay. I'll do it. Okay. Yes. Okay, use me. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but all right. Okay, yes. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. Yes, God. Ordinary people experience extraordinary purpose by saying yes to Jesus. And here's where it starts. Not just with opportunities, not just moments to share your faith, not just moments to lay hands on people, not just moments to serve. It starts first and foremost all the way back at the starting line at this little place called Jesus Christ. From the ashes is where it's birthed. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who came to this earth and lived a life that you and I could not live. He died the death that you and I deserved. But because he was without sin, he rose again on the third day victorious over death, victorious over darkness. And then beckons and invites all who would have faith to trust and follow him. Oh, there are lots of things to say yes to, but the thing to say yes to first is following Jesus. Letting Him be your Lord and Savior. Letting Him be the boss of your life. Letting Him be the Savior of your heart. Ordinary people experience extraordinary purpose, extraordinary trust, extraordinary hope, extraordinary refreshment, extraordinary fill in the amazing adjective.